Yes, amen. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to the book of uh, Galatians. Uh, I want to uh, just underscore uh, and reiterate service tonight, overcoming the urge to compromise. Very important message for all of us to hear, and so we encourage you to come back. Some of you may be here for the first time or one of your first few times, and we uh, advocate that you come to every service. Every one of them will be uh, tailor-made by God for you, to help you, give you advantage in life, and be a blessing. So uh, service is at 6.30 this evening. All right, Galatians chapter 5. And this morning's sermon is also about overcoming. And I want to minister today on something that we all have to deal with in life, and there are no exceptions to this. This sermon should resonate uh, in some way with everyone uh, because it deals with something we all have to uh, deal with in life, and that has to do with obstacles. The Bible word for obstacle, the word obstacle is not in the Bible, but the word hinder or hindrance or hindrances or hinder is in the Bible. And obstacles refer to things that hinder us. They impede our progress by getting in the way. They can obstruct, slow you down, stop you altogether, or so intimidate you that you take another course in life. Anything that you strive to accomplish in life, there are going to be obstacles. And the question that we want to ask this morning as we're warming to this subject, and it's a good question, I think. Do you have what it takes to overcome the obstacles that are in your way? Some obstacles are enormous and very intimidating and look sometimes like they are unable to be overcome. Other obstacles could be characterized as somewhat minor annoyances. And then there's everything in between. Obstacles, as I said, can impede your progress. They can discourage and demoralize you. And they can even stop you. But they keep popping up. You get rid of one Make a little progress, and then something else manifests itself. So part of what we want to talk about today is to reinforce the fact that you're going to have to deal with them. Running is not the solution to obstacles. It's facing them and figuring out how to overcome them in your life and deciding what you're going to do in the face of them. So let's read 
our text. One sentence that I want to begin with. Galatians 5, verse 7. This is the Apostle Paul writing to a church that to some degree has been derailed, hindered because of obstacles. And he said these words in verse 7. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Something got in their way. Something was obstructing them. And Paul is making the observation from afar. He's hearing reports uh, and he's hearing news uh, of what's going on in the church. And he recognizes uh, that some obstacles have presented themselves and it has thrown people off. Discouraged and demoralized them. Listen to how the Amplified Bible translates that verse. You were running the race nobly and well. Who has interfered, hindered, and stopped you from heeding and following the truth? It's something. He's asking a question. Who hindered you? An obstacle. Very practical definition is anything that blocks one's way. You can run into them in a marriage. You can run into them as you're striving to fulfill your calling. You can run into them as you are pursuing God's purpose, perfect will for your life. You're going to run into obstacles in your career, your education, your working life. If you're trying to start a business, there are going to be obstacles, unforeseen ones you didn't anticipate that you're going to have to overcome. Anything that blocks one's way or hinders or impedes progress. Some synonyms of the word obstacle, barrier, hurdle, stumbling block, or impediment. So we've already read the text. Let's pray. Bowing our heads. Father, we thank you today for the opportunity to come to grips with obstacles that we're facing in our lives. Help us to face them, identify them, and righteously, under the influence of the power of the Holy Spirit, deal with them, gain victory over them, and not allow them to define us. And Lord, we thank you and we give you praise for what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name. So let's talk about, first of all, the presence of obstacles in your life. No one is going to be free from obstacles in your life. And I think to a lot of people, trying to figure out a path that has no obstacles uh, is an ideal. And some people assume that the obstacle-free path is the one that God has engineered for us. If there are obstacles, in other words, if we pray, get direction, and the first thing we run into is a great big obstacle, some people automatically assume, well, this must not be God. Presence of an obstacle means somehow that we miss God or we made a bad or a misguided decision if the result is that we are hindered in going in the direction we thought was the direction God wanted us to go. And I think it's our natural inclination in life that we want 
as smooth a path as possible to our objectives. And if we can find a way absent of obstacles, that is the most attractive course. But I want to present to you that that is a dangerous mentality because it pretends that there is such a thing as an obstacle-free course. Someone said, if you find a path with no obstacles, it probably doesn't lead to anywhere worthwhile. How many people have given up the race because of obstacles? Life becomes hard. Life becomes more challenging than we thought. There are foreseen obstacles, things that we know are going to be in our way that we can prepare for. And then there are ones that just descend like a ton of bricks out of nowhere. And there it is in front of us. We had a pace. We were walking and moving forward. And now this obstacle is deposited in front of us and we have to deal with it. We don't have an option and we don't have a choice in the matter. There are new believers here today. You may be in the discovery that there are obstacles stage of your Christian experience. When we first got saved, it seems so smooth, so wonderful, and it is so much grace, so much love, so much forgiveness. We love God. We love everybody. Uh, This is uh, uh, the most incredible experience of my life. Uh, But uh, you're going to run into obstacles. There are persecutions. Uh, There are challenges. Uh, There are difficulties. Uh, There is such a thing uh, as a spiritual childhood, uh, a spiritual honeymoon. Uh, You get opportunity just to enjoy uh, uh, your newfound faith in Christ. Uh, But eventually... uh, At some point, uh, obstacles uh, are going to present themselves uh, and are going to provide uh, uh, a source uh, that is striving to hinder you. And you're going to find out uh, that the Christian life uh, is about overcoming obstacles. uh, And there are elements of it that are hard and challenging uh, and difficult. uh, And a lot of believers can get discouraged uh, and demoralized along the way and become weary uh, because our purpose, which is a good one, uh, we want to live for God. We want to shed all of our sin. uh, We want to overcome. We have nothing but good motives, uh, but we're hindered. Along the way. In our text, all that I'm discussing today is happening to an entire congregation. This church had a great beginning, birthed in the fire of revival, and now they're stumbling. They've been struck with obstacles, and it's very evident by the narrative of the entire book of Galatians that some of them have given up altogether. And in this case, the the um, obstacles are come in the form of people. Remember in our text, he says, 
who has hindered you. He doesn't say what has hindered you. He said who has hindered you. And he is referring to false teachers and purveyors of false doctrine that are spoiling their faith in Christ. And many of them are becoming discouraged. They started out in great revival, believing Christ, being forgiven of their sin, believing that life is a life of faith. And by faith, we can overcome and we can be victorious and experience forgiveness. But the adversary of their souls has come in and now they're depositing obstacles in the way and they're being told by purveyors of the Jewish faith and religion that no, no, it's works. It's the law. That faith, yes, may be a part, but they were trying to return them to the Judaistic elements of of their faith and they were in the process of dismissing or diminishing their newfound faith in Jesus Christ. They were trying to reintroduce the old religious observances which were rooted in works and legalism and this was directly contradicting what the Apostle Paul was teaching them and what they have experienced and so now they're confused and they're disoriented and they're hindered, and some of them have become derailed. Now, that is just one example, that text. The reality is that, that obstacles come in all kinds of shapes and sizes, and they come for a variety of reasons. One of the most common ones we see in the New Testament is obstacles that present themselves as you and I as a church and as individuals are striving to advance the kingdom of God both in our lives and in our experience and in terms of what God's will is for us and in terms also of world evangelism, training workers, planting the churches, planting churches and evangelizing and telling others about Christ. The very work that we are part of, obstacles are going to be thrown in our way. Demonically inspired sources that are trying to hinder us and that are trying to discourage and demoralizing us from continuing in the vision that God has given us. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians and says that a great and effective door has opened to me and there are many adversaries. So here is a door open opened by the Holy Spirit uh, for him to go in a direction uh, uh, to be a witness uh, and to advance the kingdom. Uh, But he discovered uh, that as he begins to go down that road, uh, there are obstacles, uh, there are hindrances, uh, there are things that are getting in the way uh, and interfering with his progress. Don't be surprised. Don't be shocked. And don't let this discourage you. We cannot allow obstacles to diminish our vision. There are a lot of things that we decide to do that produce all kinds of obstacles. We announce couples into cities and nations, and we discover obstacles and hindrances that don't appear before the announcement. They only appear after the announcement is made. The missionary journeys, if you read through the book of Acts, 
the Apostle Paul and the other disciples are obeying the call of God to go into all the world and preach the gospel. They're running into persecutions. They're running into difficulties and challenges and all kinds of hardships. And they're having to exhibit a very high level of sacrifice as they're dealing with these obstacles, going around them and overcoming them, sometimes eliminating them. But the point that I'm making is that along the way of advancing the kingdom of God as an individual in a church... There are going to be obstacles. Listen to what he wrote. And he wrote this numerous times. Romans 1.13. He's writing to the church uh, at Rome. And he says, Now I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now. And then in Romans again, for this reason, I also have been much hindered from coming to you. And in 1 Thessalonians, Therefore we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again. But Satan hindered us. Just because we're being hindered as we're trying to advance the kingdom of God doesn't mean that we have made bad decisions. Sometimes we make a decision to go into an area or a city or a nation and all kinds of trouble and difficulty and controversy and hardships. And people can easily think, well, you must have missed God. You must have made a bad decision. No, there are obstacles along the way. This is part of life and part of the reality of life. And they're going to have to be dealt with. God Godly desire, godly will, godly purpose, godly advance is all going to be impeded by Satan. The devil is a master at creating obstacles, tailor-made and designed and customized just for you. He creates obstacles that... Uh, are particularly targeting your weaknesses, things uh, that frustrate you. One person uh, can deal with an obstacle, brush it aside, uh, where that same obstacle uh, will frustrate someone else uh, and bother them deeply uh, and be much more of an obstacle than it is uh, to somebody else. The devil is a master, and his objective is to derail you by putting an obstacle along the tracks that you are traveling on in life. The second area that I want to talk about here are self-imposed obstacles. These are ones that you can produce by your own decisions and by your own conduct. 1 Peter 3 gives us an example of this. Husbands, Likewise, dwell with your wife with understanding, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. So, it's possible for your prayer life to have an obstacle in the way, and you're not able to make a connection with God, and the obstacle has to do with your marriage. If you're not right with your wife and right with your marriage, and the Bible says here, dwell with your wife, give honor to her as the weaker vessel, your heirs together of the grace of life. Your marriage is a spiritual covenant before God, and you're going to travel together, look out for each other, love each other, men 
men, protect your wives, cover them, help them. And the Bible says if you're not doing that, then you're going to get down and pray. And there's going to be an obstacle and a hindrance. And you're not going to be able to make breakthrough. And you're going to wonder why that is happening. The reality is that you are producing the obstacle yourself by not looking after your marriage. Our bad decisions, our compromises, our carnality, our sin, our fallen nature is in and of itself an obstacle that isn't going to go away, that has to be constantly overcome. Wake up in the morning, don't feel like praying. Your your flesh is an obstacle to your prayer life. Your flesh is an obstacle to striving for righteousness. Temptations are an obstacle that appeal to the appetites of your flesh. And many of the obstacles uh, that we deal with in life uh, emanate from our own heart, uh, our own life, uh, our own decisions. And on top of that, of course, we know that we are living under a curse. The agenda of Satan, his character has been embedded into the physical world, and it produces resistance to advance and to the will of God. The Bible says in 1 John, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. So it's putting the world that we live in, the world is that which is outside the boundaries of God's influence. And that is all around us. Hell, carnality, doubt, unbelief, swirling all around us. We have to live in this world. And the Bible says, whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. The world is an obstacle that our flesh is attracted to that has to be overcome. Demas, Paul says about him, having loved this present world has forsaken me. The rich young ruler whom we have spoken about recently uh, loved his money more than the invitation to follow Jesus. Uh, And so these obstacles, uh, which was uh, materialism and the world and a love for money, uh, became what defined them. Rather than viewing uh, their love of money uh, and their attraction to the world uh, as an obstacle that's got to be overcome if I'm going to pursue the will of God, they allowed those obstacles uh, to determine their course uh, and to define them. There are social obstacles. It's possible to be an obstacle for someone else. And it is possible for someone else that you are intertwined with to be an obstacle for you. The Bible word for this is stumbling block. You have to be very careful that nothing that you do becomes a stumbling block for others. Resolve this, Romans 14, 13. Resolve this not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. You can sabotage. The faith of a weaker person 
because of disobedience or carnality or some issue in your own life. Or you can be sabotaged. Your faith can be sabotaged by hanging around with someone that is not a good person for you to hang around with. And if the Bible teaches us anything, it teaches us to be discerning about our relationships in life. Then there are environmental obstacles. These are the unexpected conditions and occurrences and circumstances that you have very little control over. Things that happen around you and to you that you wouldn't choose for yourself, but they happen. It can be a setback, a failure, a tragedy, a a sudden surprising assault of hell. You didn't see it coming. You didn't anticipate it. Nobody could have warned you about it, but yet it makes an appearance. We all read, I think this took place in about 2007, somewhere around there, young girl, uh, 13 years old, by the name of Bethy Hamilton. She's a surfer, surfer girl. The old beach boys, well, never mind. Bethany Hamilton was fulfilling her passion out in the ocean surfing one day, and she was attacked by a shark and had, I believe, her left arm severed from the shoulder. She started surfing when she's a child. This happened when she's 13 years old. She was back on her surfboard one month later. Two years after that, she won first place in the Explorer Women's Division of the NSSA National Championships. That's what you would call an environmental obstacle. Something that just happens. And then you're let, you've got to deal with it. You've got to figure out a way to fulfill vision, do the will of God, despite the enormity of what may have happened to you in life. So let's talk about dealing with obstacles. What is the best way to deal with them? The worst way is to ignore them. Or... To allow them to define you, rule over you, and determine your course. I've watched over the years obstacles rob people of something that God has for their lives. You have to learn to resist, to remove, to get over, to get around, whatever it is you need to do. So think about this for a moment, if you could. What are the obstacles that you're facing right now in your life. And don't look and point at someone like this. Just, use, just keep your hands where they are now and think. What are you dealing with? You're going in a direction. You want to get to, and then something has happened that's got you disoriented. So while you're thinking about that, let's talk about Solutions to obstacles. Since it is the common experience of us all, there's certainly plenty in the Word of God to help us. And here's what I think. I think the first thing you're going to need, if you are going to be able to righteously, powerfully, strongly, victoriously overcome obstacles you're going to have to have a a very clear God-birthed and God-ordained vision for your life. People with no vision, they're easily diverted and distracted everywhere. 
whatever dream, whatever vision God has put in your heart has to be protected from all the things that hinder. Without vision, you won't see past the obstacle. An obstacle presents itself in front of someone with no vision, and then the obstacle becomes all that you can see. Someone with vision, on the other hand, sees past the obstacle. That makes the obstacle diminish in size. If the obstacle is all you see because you have no clear vision of where you're headed in your marriage, in your relationships, in your ministry, your calling, your future and destiny, then whatever, whatever obstacle presents itself becomes overwhelming and it can seem insurmountable. Someone wrote these words, setting goals is your first step and objective. Achieving them is the second, and it's the second step that is the most difficult and the one where we most often stumble. We stumble not because the goal is unachievable, but rather because of unexpected obstacles and challenges that arise along the journey that make the goal seem unachievable. And sometimes in the face of obstacles, we lose sight of our vision. Abraham did it. He had an objective. He had a vision. And then he runs headlong into unbelief and doubt. And this became an enormous distraction. And we know all about Hagar and Ishmael and the, uh, and the uh, failure of his faith. Uh, and then, of course, he returned. Uh, he was able to overcome, uh, but temporarily uh, he got sidetracked. And it wasn't the first time. Uh, he got sidetracked uh, on two other main occasions uh, when he went down into Egypt. Uh, and another time uh, uh, he went into another area where the king of Gath was uh, because of fears uh, and anxieties and unbelief that presented themselves and he took temporarily a wrong course. Moses got distracted from time to time. We can call it frustration, weariness. He got upset with the people of God, got angry on occasion. And it was his own emotions, really. His own emotional upheaval that interfered with his ability at times to be obedient and to fulfill the call of God for his life. The children of Israel were called to cross over the River Jordan, enter the Promised Land. And what did they find when they got to the Promised Land? They found very stubborn obstacles in the Promised Land that did not want to be displaced. They fought they resisted, and so too will the obstacles. They're stubborn. They don't go just because you lay hands on them and cast them out. Obstacles have to be conquered, climbed over, dealt with, and they have to be defeated. And sometimes it's a lifelong battle. There are some obstacles that don't go away. They've got to be dealt with and overcome and defeated on a daily basis. See, this is why. You need a clear vision 
And I think one of the most dangerous places to be as a Christian is to be someone whose vision has been diminished or lost. Proverbs puts it this way, that without vision, people perish. Without vision, an obstacle will confuse you. You're like a ship out in the ocean with no anchor, with no rudder, with no means of steering. You're just blown about by the wind and the waves, and you have no control over the vessel. You have no destination that you're trying to get to. When you have a destination, you get through the storm. You overcome the obstacle. But without vision, you're running the risk of perishing. And obstacles seem like insurmountable giants when you have no vision in your life. Remember Caleb? Caleb was promised an inheritance when he was 40 years old. Forty-five years later, he received his inheritance after wandering for 40 years with the children of Israel for something he didn't do wrong. He, he had faith. He uh, and Joshua, Caleb and Joshua, they had faith. It was the ten other uh, spies who were filled with unbelief, they imparted that to the children of Israel, and God judged them, and they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, so he had to overcome the obstacle of the sin of others. Keep his heart right, not get mad and angry and bitter. And then... When he entered the promised land, there was five years of battle. And now he's 80 years old when he enters into the promised land. And there's five years of battle. And this is what he told Moses. He said, I was 40 years old when Moses, or he told Joshua this rather, I'm sorry. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. He only was able to possess his inheritance because he kept his vision in place. Despite the sin of others, despite 40 years of wandering the wilderness with those who had sinned and then surviving five years of battle. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke. For you heard in that day how the Anakin were there, and the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. Clear vision produces the determination that you're going to need. How badly do you want what God has for your life, or because of obstacles have you given up on a dream? Have you given up on your vision? God has promised Caleb a mountain that would one day be his possession. He had to have a a kind of determination that would not be distracted, diverted, dissuaded, derailed. He always was able to see the vision on the other side of the sin of his brethren, on the other side of the 40 years wandering in the wilderness. He saw his mountain on the other side of five years of trying to displace the inhabitants of the land. His vision was always in place. His vision was always there, and that gave him the determination to overcome every obstacle. Don't give up on your dream because there are obstacles. Remember Ruth, a Moabite, enemies of the children of Israel, 
Her husband dies. She has a dream that she wants to immigrate into Israel and make the Israelites her people and their God her God. That's an impossible. They're not going to be accepted. We don't want Moabites. But she had a dream, and she was determined. And when she communicates her dream to Naomi, the Bible says that when Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, uh, she stopped trying to dissuade her. Uh, and Ruth, as you know, goes into Israel, uh, marries an Israelite, uh, and finds her way into the lineage uh, of King David and then the Messiah, Jesus Christ. You know, there's something to be said, and it isn't all us, but there is something to be said for your determination, your stick to There's something to be said for you making things happen in your life because you're determined and you refuse to be prevented from your dream. History is filled with very inspiring stories of people that overcame incredible obstacles in order to achieve their goal. Teddy Roosevelt, our former president, was 28 years old. He was the highest elected politician in the state of New York. He was up and coming and talented and skillful. They were already talking about him being a future vice president or president. At the age of 28 years old, on the day that his wife was giving birth, he was summoned to go home. He lived in Albany. He goes home. His mother lived with them at the time. She was stricken with an illness and died. And later on that same day, his wife giving birth to Uh, their child died. He wrote in his diary, he made a cross in his diary, and he wrote the words, my life is over. Fourteen years later, he's president of the United States. He was able to rally himself, somehow find his way back through the tragedy and the sorrow and the grief and the hardship recognized that he still had something to offer. He still had gifting. He still had ability. And he rose to the presidency of the United States when President McKinley was shot and killed. He was vice president, and he was sworn into office that same day, the age of 42. One of his relatives, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, Some years later, at the age of 39, contracted polio and became paralyzed. In those days, they didn't have the vaccine for polio. He became paralyzed from the waist down at the age of 39. He continued with what he felt was his life's calling in uh, the political arena and eventually became president of the United States. Beethoven, the great composer, began to lose his hearing And at the age of 26, was completely deaf. It's the worst thing that can happen to a composer. But he continued to compose music because he had, he's one of the rare people that has what is known as perfect pitch. He hears music in his head. 
and he continued to hear music in his head. He continued to compose, and I don't know very much about that type of music, but it is said that his most beautiful compositions were written when he was totally and completely deaf. You see, some people view obstacles as a limitation. They surrender to the obstacle and allow it to define them. However, there are others who do not see their obstacles as a limitation, but they see it as something to overcome. And in the overcoming of an obstacles, we learn, we go stronger, we become better people. John Quincy Adams, the second president of the United States, said patience and perseverance have what seems to me like a magical effect before which difficulties disappear and obstacles vanish. And of course, we can't talk about the business of determination in and of itself. Along with our determination, there is a reliance on God. How do you think God views your obstacles? We know how we view them. How does God view them? Certainly not as the impossibilities that we sometimes see. And it is from God that we are able to gain the perspective that we need to overcome. Hezekiah comes under siege. They estimate that there could have been up to half a million Assyrians that surrounded the city of Jerusalem. And they're going to stay put. They're getting supplied. They have plenty of food. They cut off water. They cut off all the food supplies of the city of Jerusalem. It's a fearful sight. But Hezekiah had the wisdom and the spiritual wherewithal to call for Isaiah the prophet. And he spoke these words and said, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid nor dismayed before the king of Assyria, nor before all the multitude that is with him. For there are more with us than with with them. With him there is an arm of the flesh, but with us uh, is the Lord our God to help us uh, and to fight our battles. Uh, and the people were strengthened by the words of Hezekiah, the king of Judah. And that very night, uh, as the army of Assyria was sleeping uh, in their tents, uh, the angel of the Lord came through the camp and struck uh, 180,000 of them dead. And when they woke up in the morning, uh, they wake up to this terrifying sight uh, of 180,000 dead uh, comrades. And they fled because there are more that be with us than they that be with them. God can give you a proper perspective of every obstacle that you face. In our own observation, it's fearful. It's enormous. But we need to get a hold of God's perspective. And it is faith that facilitates our ability to see the obstacles for what they are. Let me talk about our victory this morning. Overcoming obstacles is actually something that is necessary. In fact, obstacles are necessary. You need them. And overcoming them, of course, is necessary. It is said, and we know it's true, that obstacles build character that are going to sustain you in life. When you don't have struggles, you won't be able to hold on to what God has for you. It's in the struggle that makes you value what you have. Someone wrote these words, Have you ever heard of multi-million dollar lottery winners who are far worse off today than they were before they won the lotto? They lost all their money. Many went bankrupt. 
end up impoverished once again because they didn't go through any struggles, any obstacles, or any challenges and the problems that self-made millionaires have to face. And as a result, they weren't able to hold on to their goal when it was clearly within their grasp. You need struggle. Don't spoil. Make your children work for things that they acquire in life. It's not a bad thing to make them work and strive like you had to. Malcolm Gladwell wrote a great book called David and Goliath, and it's really a book about underdogs and the obstacles that they overcome and how they do it. But he made a fascinating observation about the disorder that is known as dyslexia. It's a learning disorder. Some dyslexics are incapable of learning how to read. They're incapable of um, focus and concentration uh, in some cases. It manifests itself uh, in a lot of different ways. Malcolm Gladwell was asked to speak at a convention for entrepreneurs. Most of these were very successful investors and inventors. And he asked, how many of you suffer from dyslexia? 50% of them raised their hands. Why is the diagnosis of dyslexia so much more prominent in this group of entrepreneurs, uh, and there are many other famous people, uh, lawyers uh, and businessmen uh, that suffer from dyslexia. And what he ascertained was uh, that it was their effort to overcome their dysfunction and their disabilities. They had to get people around them that could help them with reading. They were able to get through school because they made bonds of friendship and they figured out various systems and some of them very ingenious in order to pass tests, get good marks in school, and they were able to overcome it. And in the overcoming of it, they developed skills that made them successful in life. So the obstacle became an advantage. Walt Disney wrote these words and says, All the adversity that I've had in my life, all my troubles, all my obstacles, my setbacks and my failures, all of them have strengthened me. You come to realize that a kick in the teeth may be what's best for you at the time. I'm not afraid of obstacles. They need to be viewed for what they are. Giants are standing in the way of what God has for you. Don't let that giant intimidate you. Don't let him strike you with fear. Don't let him make you believe that your dream and your inheritance is an impossible ideal. Paul wrote this to all of us, and I think it's perfect for this occasion today. 1 Corinthians 1, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. You see, the key is where does our confidence lie here today? 
And the reality is that we have assurance of victory. You don't have to let obstacles define you. And as I said a moment ago, some obstacles have a kind of permanence. Pastor Warner has to wake up every day to a wheelchair. For the last 26 years or so of his life, he's been battling infections and fevers and cancers and amputations. He has to wake up every day to this. Some obstacles are there, but they don't have to slow you down. They don't have to hinder you. Overcoming an obstacle doesn't mean eliminating it. It means overcoming something that presents itself as an obstacle and not allowing it to define you. That's why we find Proverbs verse 12 of chapter 4. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered. Doesn't mean there won't be obstacles, but those obstacles don't have to be a hindrance. Your steps will not be hindered. And when you run, you will not stumble. And then 2 Peter 1.10, Therefore, brethren... Be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. There are going to be obstacles, hardships and difficulties and challenges, and some of you are going to be tested severely in that regard. Don't let them define you. There's a God in heaven to help us to overcome if we keep our vision intact. Can you say amen with me? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. Thank you for your attention today. I feel such grace and love and favor here today. Before we do anything else and open up these altars, you're dealing with obstacles, facing with obstac- facing obstacles, troubled by obstacles, intimidated by them. Maybe you're allowing them here today and you realize it. You're allowing them to define you. Well, this altar is a place where God's going to help us. Obstacles are there. Don't have to hinder you. And as our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Nobody's moving around for a moment. Perhaps you've come to church here today, this morning, and your heart is not right with God. And you know that. You know there is sin. There is confusion. There is turmoil, guilt, and fear. All kinds of things inside churning that are unsettling you. No peace, no joy, no victory in your life. You don't have to live like that. You really don't. The Bible promises peace. There's another scripture. I got a little scripture heavy with the sermon and had to, uh, I couldn't use all the ones I wanted to. But what about the one that talks about nothing being able to separate you from the love of God? No excuse to backslide, to fall to temptation, to live in sin. And if you're here without Christ, He loves you shed His blood on the cross, died for your sins, and He is here this very day to forgive your sin, establish His presence in your heart, and change your life. I'm talking about reality here today. It happened to me. It can happen to you. I've never gotten over getting my, giving my life to Christ, and it happened over 40 years ago. 
joy, peace, victory is the portion that we can have in life. And as our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, nobody's moving around for a moment, you are at a point of decision today if you don't know Christ. And the decision is, will you repent of your sin and receive Christ as your Savior? It's grace that brings you to this point of decision. It's love that brings you to this point of decision. Not coincidence that you're here, not an accident that you've gathered with us. It's love. It's God's grace. It's God's care of your soul and oversight of your life. But He can do no more for you right now unless you can respond and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if you're able to do that, ready to do that, want to do that, I want to help you this morning. I want to pray for you. I want to believe God to work a miracle in your life. And in order to do that, I want you to do one simple thing for me right now. I would like you to just lift your hand up all over this building saying, Pastor, I need prayer. I want to repent and I want to get my heart right with God. Would you pray for me today? I want to give my life to Jesus. Lift your hand up right now all over this building. Lift it up just so that I can see it for a moment. I'm ready to repent. I want to get my heart right with God. Amen. God bless you. I see that. Thank you very much. Anyone else? Lift your hand up. You can put it down if you've raised it. God bless you in the front here. I see that, my brother. God's going to help you. Amen. I see it. I'm going to pray for you. Just hang on a second. Yes, amen. We're going to pray. Amen. Someone else, you raised your hand. Lift it up so that I can see it. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, my brother. God sees that hand. Somebody else, I know there's others here that God is touching. And a sermon like this can be very real, even to someone who's not a Christian, not used to being in church. Obstacles. All over the place in your life. You can get past them all and come to Christ. If you'll just be honest with the condition of your heart. Lift your hand up right now. Lift it up high. In Jesus' name. Maybe you're backslidden. This is the source of a lot of backsliding. People get discouraged. Quit. Give up. Change course. Because of the obstacles that are present in their life. And you're here today. Ready to respond and repent and rededicate your life to Christ. Would you lift your hand? Amen. I see that. Thank you. Anyone else? Yes. Amen. Anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. I see those hands. Thank you. Anyone else? Amen. God is good. All right. If you raised your hand, I want you to look at me. Just for a minute. You meant that? You guys meant that? Believe that you did over here on my right. You meant that? Back here, I believe you meant that. I want you to come right now. Raul, you're going to pray with this young man here. Would you guys come? We want to pray with you. Over here on my right, right right back here, you raise your hand. I want you to come. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Amen. I need a sister to come right away over here on my left. 
Thank you, Sandra. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you very much. God bless you. Thank you. Amen. I need a brother to come here. Mark is going to pray. Amen. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. There really is a wonderful grace here. God really does have empathy for us who face obstacles. Obstacles can trouble us, discourage us, demoralize us, frustrate us. They're going to happen. We're not going to always get an answer for why a particular obstacle do we have to deal with, but it's there. That's the point. The obstacle is there. It's a giant. Maybe it's one you've created yourself. Maybe it's one produced by someone close to you that's become a stumbling block and a hindrance to you. Whatever those obstacles are, they must be overcome. This altar is a place for God to renew your vision. It's a place for God to renew hope and renew faith so that you can see the obstacle in the true size that it really is. It's not as big as you think. Not as fearful and intimidating as you may think. Hezekiah was made to see an obstacle through faith and won a great victory. David marched onto a battlefield to face an obstacle, the giant Goliath, that he saw as one who could be defeated. The children of Israel didn't see him that way. That giant was defining them. David wouldn't allow that to happen, and he overcame. You can overcome every obstacle, whether they're ones that can be swept away or they're ones that you may have to face every day. We have to face our flesh every day. We have to face our fallen nature every day. We have to overcome temptation every day. So some obstacles are like that. But they don't have to hinder. They don't have to slow you down. There's grace here to enable us to overcome. Let's all stand. Altars are open. I want to challenge you to come this morning to this altar and find a place to pray and begin to talk to God. This sermon and this service can change your life, save your life, restore your life, restore vision. Maybe the obstacles seem so great you don't see anything else. You lost sight of your vision. Lost sight of the hope that you once had for your calling and your ministry and your marriage and your home and family and finances and business. Obstacles can dominate the landscape so that we lose sight of vision. Let's let God restore the vision. Restore hope. Restore confidence. Oh, God, help me right now. My fears... My sense of intimidation that these obstacles have produced, Lord, I haven't seen the obstacles through the eyes of faith, through your perspective, and I've lost sight of the vision beyond the obstacle, Lord, and I need that restored here today by grace and by faith, O oh God. Oh, Yendere alara vila rabakori ara vila ramandere alara mandai. Lord, I need you tonight, today, this morning. I need you to visit me here at this altar. I need your comforting presence and assurance. 
God has a heart for everyone who faces any obstacle. He visited Hezekiah. He visited David. And he's there to comfort you in the face of all the assaults of hell that try to intimidate you and instill fear and get you to change your course and get you to lose hope and back away. Don't let the devil convince you that your dream is impossible, that your vision is unattainable. Oh, God. Oh, hallelujah, Lord. Touch every heart. Revive and refresh and rekindle in every soul the fire of revival, O God. Let the enormity of the obstacles be diminished here today. Let us see our giants as defeatable and conquerable and overcomable. For greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And more there are that be with us than they that be with them. And those things that men say are impossible, they are possible with God. And to them that believe, all things are possible, for there's nothing too hard for God. Oh, God, restore faith in Jesus' name. Oh, Lord, you're worthy to be praised and exalted and glorified. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your ministering presence and favor. Oh, Lord, you're worthy. God, you touch hearts. People need encouragement today, Lord. Oh, God, we need healing and restoration of faith and hope. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank God. Yes, amen, Lord. Thank you. Whatever obstacle, whatever may be hindering, doesn't have to define you. We overcome. That's what we are. We overcome the world by faith. We overcome every obstacle, ones that seem to weary us, family issues, marriage issues, unsaved spouses and loved ones. 
financial, environmental obstacles that we don't have control over, whatever. Let God rebirth, give life to your dream and your vision. Oh, Jesus, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We praise and love and glorify and exalt your holy name. Hallelujah. We're going to sing. I want you to, amen. Hold on just for a second. Thank you. Oh, Jesus, hallelujah. Amen. Thank the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. What song? Because He Lives. Amen. We're going to sing that. That's a great song for this particular service. Because He Lives. I can face tomorrow. If you're praying, you may continue. Otherwise, standing at our seat, let's lift our hands and sing it to Jesus. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Worship God, Hallelujah. Oria Ravila Raba Shoria Ravila Raba Coria Yendere Alla Ravila Raba Robo Raba La Ravila Ramando Rodo Robo Raba La Ravila Ramande. Oh God, I praise you, love you, exalt you, glorify you, worship you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank the Lord. Amen. We're going to dismiss the service. Go rejoicing. Service at 6.30 tonight, overcoming the urge to compromise. You don't want to miss that. Bring people that need Jesus. Let's fill uh, the house of God. 
5.30 prayer in the fellowship hall. Let's gather together for prayer. And let's dismiss right now thanking God for all that he's done. I'm going to ask if Raul Regosa would close the service in prayer this morning. Man, Lord bless you. See you tonight.